before we got on, we talked about intention and intent. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think that's such a such a great word. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And as I was playing, you know, I I was sort of thinking about that. You know, what mm. is what is my intention with this line, or right. are am I am I coming back to this moment and serving the music, mm-hmm. right? So kind of being in service of the music. And we were talking a little bit about bass players and a, another bass player that's been involved in a group that you were, you were talking about. And um, it's funny that you, you mentioned that, you know, just, just sort of the, the, the taste and, and what's appropriate for, for the music. I was watching a pretty random, I think even anonymous bass player just kind of jamming on some stuff. Mm. Couldn't even see his face or anything. <laughs> and I was, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. But that, that fill is just, just, just too much. It, yeah. It's just, it's cool. It's flashy, but does it serve, you know, yeah. with, with that in a group setting with, with other people, is that an individual thing or is that something that serves the group? And, you know, so yeah. there, there's levels of, of taste and uh, yeah, working t- together. Taste is half, I'm convinced half you're born with half you learn. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people haven't learned it. <laughs> <laughs> There's your daily snark. But yeah, because you, you'll hear somebody just, you know, grooving along and everything's great. And then they play a fill that sounds like it should be in a different band mm-hmm. in another room. Yeah. It's like great, 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 great splat. Yeah. And it completely tears everything apart. It's like yeah. the song stops. Mm-hmm. And then starts again on the other side of it. Yeah. And so there is there is no intentional understanding of from here to here. Yeah. This needs to happen, and this is how I'm going to get there, and and this is what makes the song work. Yeah. And throwing in like say a flashy feel where you're like, great, great, ew, you know what what it's jarring. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as a as a guitarist, as some someone kind of works with their hands, and maybe you find this too is is. Um, Sometimes you want to play like everything that you know, mm-hmm. but you don't really need to. In yeah. a sense, you know, it it doesn't. You don't have to play every extension of every <laughs> chord possibility, and yeah. you know, you play kind of what what works at a given moment, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of create create a line. So yeah, it, there there is a fine line between cool and overplayed yeah yeah and one thing that sort of bothers me too much but this idea of playing something that's that's hip i mean this kind of kind of caught wind of, of these sorts this sort of language just like being around different musicians and i have to say i i don't think it's it's that good of a thing to be trying to be hip in a sense, like I would say, like try to be hip in your practice session, mm-hmm. but when you go to play, play from from the source, like the account that you yeah. developed <laughs> in your practice, you know, and but not 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 like go out and try to be hip, you yeah. know, or yeah. do this really yeah. intricate line or something, yeah, complex that technical thing. Yeah, you know, you've got to fit this in somewhere because I worked on it. Yeah, so. yeah, it, you're right. It just it it doesn't work. To me, the hippest players are the ones who play the prettiest things. Mm, nice, because they are they're under they have an understanding of the song, yeah, and of what it needs to be, yeah, and what will make it better, what will really bring it out, yeah, yeah. It's I think about like painters, 
Mm. Um, if you paint a bunch of flowers on a white canvas, yeah, it's a bunch of flowers on a white canvas. If you look at like some of these really sappy Victorian painters who are technically brilliant, mm -hmm. but stylistically, mm. but what they knew to do was put a velvet black background mm. behind it. Okay, everything comes out. Yeah. So the, that's actually the hit part is that velvety black background. You're, mm -hmm. It's supporting what's in front. Yeah. That's the hip as musicians. They're supporting what's in front. They're making it work. Yeah. You know, their their time is reliable. Their harmonic sense is reliable. Their technique is reliable. Their gear is reliable. Mm -hmm. Those are the hippest guys. Yeah. You yeah. know, because they un they have enough understanding to be able to stretch. Mm -hmm. You know, and play something adventurous. Yeah. But they understand that you get to do that once a tune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, a player probably shouldn't be too too totally safe, but not not be practicing on the bandstand. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to, you know, like for a bass player, you got to push. You, you have to be, again, harmonically aware of what's going on, mm. what the other players are doing and that sort of thing. But when I hear bass players who don't swing or don't groove because mm -hmm. they're playing, their technique has gotten in the way of their musicality. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the worst offense mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Is, is, yeah, you'll hear these guys who are just like, especially slappers, I'm average at it. Mm -hmm. There's some great slappers out there, but even they know you can't do it all the time unless the song is written around that. Yeah. Yeah, where that is like an essential part of the rhythm section, how yeah. that's built out of that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Otherwise, yeah, this, you know, you hear guys playing all the fancy runs and things like that. Mm -hmm. It becomes noise. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's unrelated to the, the experience of that piece of music. Right. Yeah. So just, you know, I think, I think trying to be genuine, trying to, consistently refresh mm -hmm. um come back to to the moment and um and just play lines and leave space mm -hmm. you know like we, like we were talking about too it's just and i was watching this um john schofield interview with uh, rick beato mm -hmm. which just as an aside is just such an amazing thing to have a musician interviewing these great musicians yeah his his stuff is awfully good yeah you know, in my younger years, wanting to hear some of these greats talk about, you know, whatever, you know, playing and, and stuff, you know, they're being interviewed by by a, maybe a journalist or something, right. which is totally fine. But can you ask this question, <laughs> yeah. please? Yeah, I kind of want to know this. Yeah, but, you know, what he had for lunch is nice to know, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's pretty cool. Um, so I'll mention too, um, before I forget, like and subscribe the yeah, two. Yeah, it's down over yeah. there. I never get that right. It's down there somewhere. Yeah, probably right in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and John sells custom cables. I do. Very high quality. And you do some repairs, electrical work. And I, I do electrical like work and I do, yeah, setups and, you know, yeah. kind of general repairs. Yeah. For guitars and basses. Yeah. Obviously, you could do that locally, but there's always mail. There's this. And uh, I do have people send me things. Yeah. So, nice. But yeah, and if you're here in the mid-Atlantic, you know, I'm in Baltimore. It's easy. Yeah, let's get back to a little bit of Schofield. So I was, mm -hmm. I've been, this interview came out a little, little while ago, but I've been just kind of meaning to 
to watch it. I think I watched like 10 minutes and then I watched another like 30 right. last night and I need to, I still need to finish the rest of it, but, but it's a, it's like an hour yeah. long. So, but, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to listen to him talk about timing mm-hmm. and the importance of that. And, and the fact that he, you know, still is actively working at that and thinking about it mm-hmm. and, and trying, trying to, you know, I don't know, evaluate. You constantly yeah. evaluate your playing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's yeah, it is so cool that at that level, but I think all the players at that level do that. They're not playing mm. by rote. Yeah. They're not just walking out and and doing the shtick. Yeah. And oh, yeah. walking off again. Right. It's yeah. not a Vegas act that's yeah. Carefully. It's yeah, they are you know, every musician, if you're awake at all, as you're playing, you know what you did right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the wrong list is always longer than the right list. <laughs> yeah, and it's important to move on. Yeah, you can't beat yourself that. up. Yeah, yeah, because that is gonna. Um, yeah, you you have to like like I was saying before, maybe just try to refresh. You know, you play to clam, play something that was way too, way too behind the beat, didn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're just like, well, that's just what it was. That, yeah. It's what it was. It's gone. It's out there in the ether. Mm-hmm. Move on. Yeah. But know that, okay, that was an issue. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. Yeah. 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 You spend a lifetime learning what not to do. Yep. Yep. And I, I, you know, this applies for myself, but I also talk to students every day about practice. Like there's a difference between playing and there's, and practice, mm-hmm. you know, your practice that you're actively looking for problems and there are problems. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the recording process of recording oneself and, and listening back, I, I've learned a ton, I think from that. Yeah. You were talking about some exciting things with recording. Oh, well, um, not to put you on the spot, no. but, <laughs> but you, you have some like cool synth things that you can do like real time. And, yeah, you know. it's um, again, but people who watch know I love doing audio on iOS products mm-hmm. on on especially my iPad Pro. Yeah, this thing's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so there is a guitar synth on there called MIDI Guitar Two, brilliant software. So it will let me play basically any MIDI instrument I have in here. Yeah, or an external MIDI instrument. Okay. My fit, my interface will do that. Yeah. Um, in real time. Okay. With my bass. Wow. Cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it lets me uh, sit and record things mm-hmm. that otherwise, you know, my piano playing is terrible. Yeah, might, S- might as well. Six years of study. Yeah. Okay, I can find middle C. Um, <laughs> But I can play this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to go, oh, okay, I want to, you know, if I'm, I'm recording something, and uh, that sounds nice, but then I'd like maybe a nice string chord, mm-hmm. you know, up on top. Or I can program it to do that, oh, you know, yeah. and follow me so I can have, yeah, I could have an A in the bottom and then, you know, that, but have it. Just, just, and with a foot controller sustain that okay. part. Yeah. Yeah. Where then I could I could move it down. Mm-hmm. You know, so I get to play both parts at the same time. It's handy for me. Yeah. But I actually do use it on tracking other people's material. Okay. Cool. And they're like, I think I want that or I think I want that. I'm like, well here. Yeah. 
Have you considered? I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but I had a had a, um, a guitarist who was asking me about double neck guitars, or and I was saying, well, maybe maybe use two instruments and put one on a on a stand, on a stand, yeah. you know, and and maybe play. Would that would that apply at all to what you're you're doing? Or no, I don't think so. Yeah, um, I really don't think so. Cause so you can just do it all on one instrument. I, yeah, That's I can. Cool. I can do it all here if I I have had. In the past, currently don't own it. No, I own one. Uh, eight string basses. Okay. With high strings, like high F and high B flat. Yeah. That makes it really simple because the, the the trick is low frequency track. Okay. As good as stuff is now, tracking mm-hmm. low frequencies is hard because the the wave period is very long. Yeah. Um, so like the software I like, basically it will go down to D. You know, it'll okay. it'll get me to that. Okay. Which is cool because then I just think of the instrument as split. Oh, you know, it's yeah. split around the D, so it doesn't matter where I play it. I just know that's okay. That's as low as it's gonna go. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it's it's just a built-in split. I don't have to think about that. Yeah. Part. So yeah, I've, I've looked at double neck instruments and gone, "Oh, that's very silly." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No reason for yeah, that. Yeah, I've never used one, but I know what's the guitarist name? Stanley Jordan? I think Stanley Jordan. See the tapping? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. he'll do double neck or, or, or two, two different. Two different, yeah. He uses those Vigier guitars. Okay. Which are graphite necks and stainless steel fingerboards and yeah. pretty amazing stuff. But so yeah, he'll yeah. He'll Sometimes do he'll play the piano too. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Mike Rutherford mm-hmm. from Genesis yeah. has been known to play a double neck. Mm-hmm. But it will be like a six and a twelve, yeah. String guitars, yeah. or that's what I was. Or a guitar and a bass, yeah, something um, like that. Where he's got, there is no time to pick up another instrument. Yeah, you got to jump from one part to the other, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. There, it becomes a very useful tool. But he actually has. I don't know if you ever saw these. Is a Sure Gold uh, guitars from okay. England. Okay, and. It's basically top halves and bottom halves of the instrument, and there's a neck on each. Yeah. And so you can pick any two, and they lock together. <laughs> so it's like Legos for double neck instruments. Yeah. Um, it works. Nice. But you, you got to have a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a very heavy thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I was just as one other little tiny thing. I was suggesting get a looper. Mm-hmm. And then maybe have guitar bass, yeah, kind of thing. That way you can just stand and not have to change anything. Loop a cool bass line, and play with that. Switch over to the other neck, and then yeah, you know you can switch back, lay down, layer. You know you could do the opposite way around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be pretty, pretty that, that fun and cool to do. You could do that on a gig or something. Oh yeah, and I mean if you've got an iOS device and you want to use it live, I highly recommend it get a low latency interface you're good yeah but there's programs like loopy pro which is a ridiculously powerful looper okay I mean you could have two dozen loops mm. like working or ready to go okay you know so you can have preset loops and and all this stuff's amazing yeah um, so yeah just on iOS there are some incredibly good loopers for under 10 bucks wow so they did they are software that sits right on your device. Yeah, run, runs in the device, um, and then you just get your audio in and out through the appropriate interface. Yeah. You're good. Very cool. There's, you know, the, the Roland, I tried the Roland loopers. Okay. I've tried all of them. Have you? Yeah. 
No, I could I could never get the hang of playing and having to tap a button three times to make it do something. Yeah, that's with a, a lot of equipment. You know, I I find I don't know if I'm just like more mechanically oriented or what, but once I get in the digital screen and all this stuff, it's a just is really hard to do that on the fly at a gig when mm. you know you're supposed to be playing something. Right. Well, this is where um, it's like you have a Macmillan soft step. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one for years. Finally killed it. Um, so I built a MIDI foot controller okay. because I do things like that. So that has, the one I currently has 12 switches okay. that I can assign to anything. It's a generic MIDI yeah. thing. Um, so that's useful. Very cool. Yeah, and I 3D printed different colored caps for all the switches so I can awesome. say, okay, the green ones do this, the red ones do this, the yeah. yellow ones do this. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then I can do it. But yeah, some of the stuff... It's like they built so many features into it. You're having to use your, you're gonna having to like tap a switch two or three times. I saw it with Roland that bug. Really? Me. Okay. Yeah. To make it, it's like you have to skip over two functions to get to the third because hmm. they don't have twelve switches on it. Yeah. Yeah, I just got around that. And yeah. So there's things like um, the Morningstar company makes incredible MIDI foot switchers. Okay. They're just ridiculous. <laughs> Good. They're beautiful. They have screens. They have all million ins and outs. Yeah. And they're built like tanks. I'll check that out because I haven't, I haven't heard of them. Yeah, they've, they're um, a lot of solo guys like them. A lot of keyboard players. Yeah. Really like them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can assign MIDI anything to anything, and it's five pin MIDI and USB MIDI. Yeah. And it's got like four uh, expression pedal jacks. Yeah. Yeah, because I've I've done a f- quite a few solo things over the years, and um, I found that sitting sitting there, you know, by myself, trying to hold down a little bit of a bass mm-hmm. um, note, or you know, and playing all the chords, it's just it's just um, just kind of a lot. I've always enjoyed more ensemble playing, yeah. And the the looper is really helpful. So I had a I had a um, a regular gig at a um, restaurant hotel sort of thing weekly thing and um i was using a looper i was using a pigtronics mm-hmm. looper at first i started just on the fly doing stuff and putting down parts and um and which was which was nice but that's really what set off my whole recording interest was <laughs> i mean like why don't i just lay down something yeah. that goes for yeah have you have know a pre-recorded track yeah and, and just play you know play that you know so yeah i mean it's fun to live stack yeah parts yeah you get into a little bit of limitation you get into (laughs) a lot of things have to go right yeah you know yeah exactly um so yeah i mean pre-recording this again this is why like program like app like loopy pro where you can have the preset tracks and preset clips yeah that's that's the neat thing is you can have clip players and the way these loopers on ios are working now the time will align okay automatically very cool so you don't have to say no you just say this is the start of yeah this clip yeah and when you trigger it it will actually wait for the time to come by that's good and start yeah when i first started doing it um i found that i had to get really good Mm -hmm. at hitting that switch at just the right moment that's the other problem yeah and this will actually let you you tell it and i think yeah loopy pro does it and a couple others do it where you tell it the tempo, 
mm-hmm. and give it a tap tempo. Yeah. And then it will it won't start until you do. Yeah. For the first one and then everything else will line up to that. Yeah. That's, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, I think Ableton does that. I really need to learn how to use my own DAW. <laughs> I'm going to get you on iOS stuff. I really am because right. it is so much easier. Um, nice. So, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff. you have any questions about the iOS stuff, I love this stuff. I've spent a lot of time on it, so yeah. ask, please. Yeah, and the core audio, honestly, it's, it's excellent. Yeah. And um, working with Windows... It's um, ASIO drivers. Highly problematic, but yeah, I don't allow Windows in the house. <laughs> I, I view it as as a giant security hole wrapped in betaware. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that really got me about um, about them is is when they when they started soldering in the like ram sticks and stuff oh, um, that just really bothered me oh, on for mac? whatever reason yeah so, like the you know the mac I, you know cuz I, I would you know have a I would have a macbook and I'd be like ah oh, you know after a couple of years or something I'll upgrade the ram you know and just pull that out and yeah put in you know i mean it's not that big of a deal but it's kind of like well no and at this point they've got the ram so efficient yeah, that's the trade-off. It's like, yeah, I've got what do I have? Eight or sixteen gig of RAM in this thing and a mm. terabyte hard drive. Yeah, in an iPad. Yeah, that's awesome. That's plenty. Mm-hmm. I've actually tried to make the thing choke, and I did, but it was doing so much <laughs> that, <laughs> that you would never ever do that in real life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I love to tweak with the, the, my own stuff. But, yeah. But you know, that's why I took an old MacBook Pro that you can't change this stuff on mm-hmm. i put linux on it and that's okay that's everything else cool i guess i'll mention this high pass filter yeah. you were talking about a high pass filter so i picked up this pedal from broughton audio mm-hmm. uh check them out again not endorsed or anything it just seemed like they had a pretty slick and simple uh mm-hmm. solution that's generally what i'm looking for from from a product is is something <laughs> that just does basic stuff right so this has has a little gain knob, it has um, the low pass, mm-hmm. and, and, and it has pass. a high pass, which is really cool. Too. Yeah, high pass is we talked about last time. I will keep saying it. I think it's vital. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to get those mixed around in my yeah. head, but <laughs> but yeah, the um, the high pass feature is what I was mm-hmm. mainly after there, um, which cuts the lows, lets the highs pass through. Mm-hmm. But the low pass can be very handy. Mm-hmm. Especially if you get, sometimes you get a piece of gear that every part of it is brilliant except way up high. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're talking 15, 20K up there. Yeah. There's noise. Yeah. yeah. Probably from the power supply, but there's junk up there. Yeah. And it's not doing you any good. You're not playing up there. There's no, most people do not have information happening up there when they play. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. noticed this really weird spike in my um, recordings that's, something somewhere way up there i should i should nail down the exact uh hertz but um but it's just this weird little spike that's yeah. in there i don't know if it's electrical interference or yeah i mean it, it could is. be an interface thing it could be power system in the in the studio here yeah. it could be yeah yeah there's a list but like you and i both use isotope stuff mm. you can preset a notch yeah yep, so after you do a recording just run it through that yeah 
I was going to get to this earlier, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a comment from our question from Chip is powder coating Charles. Yeah. <laughs> sure, what that means? I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing Chip does uh, powder coating, which okay. is really cool. Nice, actually. Yeah, for for metals and stuff. And okay. Some plastics. Okay. Powder coating is incredibly cool. What are we talking about here? It's um, basically you take a piece of metal that you want, instead of painting it, uh -huh. um, it is sprayed with a, a kind of an epoxy coating. So it's sort of a okay. plastic epoxy coating. Yeah. And uh, they use electricity to make it stick. Basically, the gun is positive charge. The metal item is negative charge. Okay. It's funny, fun to watch because these guys just kind of wave it around and goes and sticks on there. And they put it in them and bake it for a little while, ah. and it fuses and gives you that beautiful glossy, ah. um, nice even color. I suspect that that box that is, came to my mind right when you said that. Yeah, yeah. And you'll see a lot of pedals are yeah. powder coated because it is really, really strong. Okay. Yeah, and it looks professional it, it and looks, polished and, and yeah and you can get a million different colors you can get chrome powder coating and yeah all this other stuff very cool it, it's it's a great way to finish a, a metal item so anyway chip cool yeah that's <laughs> i'm gonna um in this comment um i'm going to timestamp when we talk about this and i'm mm -hmm. just going to put it right in his comments so he can Good. be sure to find that says uh he's a player chord inversions down uh, major scale is good. Harmonic minor scale is okay. Melodic minor, so-so. So, so a so, so little. Yeah. But, I mean, the major scale is your highest priority. Yeah. And that covers your relative minor. Says his arpeggios aren't so good. How does he How does he leap forward? What should he do? There's a lot of things to do. Yeah. Um, some people, I've and I've encouraged students to do this, you have note practice and technique practice. Okay. So if your arpeggios are not going well, mm -hmm. is it mental or mechanical? Okay. Are you having trouble with the notes or are you having trouble mechanically moving yeah. one of these? Right. Because um, it's bigger distances than the scales. Right. That may be one issue uh, mechanically. I think so. And sometimes... Um, that cross-picking thing mm -hmm. is very difficult. Okay. Yeah. And, and with arpeggios, you're really, yeah. You know, especially if you want them to be even. Yeah. But um, so decide. I would say first decide what it is. Yeah. If it's mechanical, video yourself mm -hmm. or sit in front of a mirror. Yeah. And watch yourself and see what you do. Video is great. Use your phone. Stick it up. Yeah. Record 30 seconds of yourself and go, oh, that, yeah, that's not good. Mm -hmm. You know, that's great. That's great. Mm -mm. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah, if it's a mechanical issue or kind of technique issue, one thing you, you might try to do, like a lot of guitarists have an easy time with uh, pentatonics, mm -hmm. which I think the reason for that is that you can play two notes per string and it's, right. it's just you're just kind of vertically going this way. Mm -hmm. So you could take a four note arpeggio and and do the two notes per string thing but you you move up so yeah. if you had a g7 you know then you might play you know just kind of move two notes per string and and do that thing and that's going to help move you this way mm -hmm. which is really where you want to be 
yeah vertical you know horizontal and and vertical but but mm-hmm. you watch West Montgomery and yeah. it's it's yeah it's, it's all this way and this way mm-hmm. and he he can do this thing but but yeah. he's he's playing horizontally on that yeah I think uh, it's funny soloing seems to fit better sometimes depending on the tune if I'm you know if I'm playing this way okay if I'm, if I'm playing a groove more more vertical okay yeah I'm, I'm thinking across yeah because you know I have that reach okay uh, especially on a six so I can but if I'm playing yeah yeah um, changes the way you th- you think about a line yep yep because um, sometimes it can be hard to you know if you get it, that <laughs> sits weird this way sometimes yeah. Although you guys have that little cheating string there with that third. Um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> There's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. I think, but I think doing that, yeah, going that way and doing it with each interval. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Especially if you're looking, you know, if you want to play, you know, a, a, just that. Yeah. Kind of as an arpeggio. So you're going to see E, G, Z. Go through all the intervals from the root. Yeah. All the intervals from the third. Intervals from the fifth. Right. And just yeah. be able to start from any one of those. Yeah. Four notes. Because then the arpeggios just become this. You have this big thing of notes to pick from, and you sort of frame. Yeah. Where in that thing you want to pick from. Yeah. 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 And and the one thing uh, I would say too is try to pick something that you're really strong with, mm-hmm. and and see if you can use that as a springboard to to try to fill in the gaps. Yeah, know? yeah. So you say you know, uh, Chip. You say you know you're great on major scales. Yeah. But start there. Start slowly. Though. Yeah. You know it. I know it. It can be so frustrating where you you know you really want to. Yeah, you really want to fly. Yeah, but practice slow yeah. with um, slow is harder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're trying to get better with arpeggios and you're good at scales, try to find the arpeggios that are they're buried in there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're right, they're right in there. They're there. <laughs> they're, they're yeah, they're all there. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things. I mean, really slowing it down and just yeah, start with major arpeggios. Don't don't worry about doing the whole eddying bait thing if that's what you're into yeah practice for 20 years you'll get there right um but just being able to you know knowing that knowing what that is yeah you know and And being able to yeah and then then working in context of a tune i think that's very important to work on changes and yeah, because if stretches you know, if that if that exists by itself, it's a great practice thing. Yeah. Useless. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise it's just a bunch of notes strung together. You need to find its place in the in the music itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean if you can if you can play a scale in a position, you know, everything like in the range of a position, um, you know, that's that's one thing. And then but Really, if you're going to play a tune that has like a pretty rapid harmonic rhythm, mm-hmm. um, you're probably only going to play four of those notes. Right. So for agility, 
try to choose four notes and see if you can see if you can play the same exact four notes on the next chord mm -hmm. or maybe it doesn't work so maybe you have to change one of them or a yeah. couple of them and see create lines you know exactly compose lines compose lines yeah we as players are composing as much as the person who actually composed the tune yeah you know especially um if you're doing jazz mm-hmm uh, my favorite is still that Homer Simpson quote. It's like, oh, those jazz guys are just making it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's spontaneous uh, improvisation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you are. So I love playing bass, jazz bass because a great bass line is its own, should be able to stand by itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a melody, but it can also be a counter melody. Yeah. You know. Nice. And I love I love that when it when I can get it to sit right. Yeah, I was really encouraged by something that um, John Schofield said in his interview with uh, Rick Beato, which which was that he sometimes would will improvise and record himself and then listen back and say, oh, you know that that could make its way into a tune. Yeah. You know? For for me, that's encouraging because I have such a resistance to writing. <laughs> because I, mean, I have a terrible lack of patience, I think, or something. Uh, yeah, I'm the same way. But it's kind of funny because John Schofield in this interview, you, you should definitely go watch it. And but he's he's kind of like he writes for albums, for or you know tours and albums, so that the band he's playing with has something to play on. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually tried doing the thing where I record myself playing mm -hmm. and then I'm feeding it into one of these AI music transcription things oh, yeah. and letting it spit the notes out because cool. I am that lazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hate to sit down and write because I, one time I would do, I was doing copyist work, transcribing music or scribing music for big bands. We had 18, 20, 22, 24 people. So you've got a score and it's all the parts. And you have to take each part and write it out. Yeah. That is my definition of hell. Yeah. It is the most tedious, time-consuming, annoying thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I love taking this new technology. Yeah. Just, you know, I can feed a line in, it spits it out and says, you played that, and I can take the three notes that I thought were cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to send me the link to that. I had a transcribing slash arranging job. Mm. For, for a period of time and it was yeah it was rough yeah it was rough it was like you know go get a, a cup of coffee and put two shots of espresso <laughs> in that coffee <laughs> and sit down for five hours yeah and write stuff out I admire guys that can do that yeah. I really do but I'm not one of them yeah it's hard yeah I was either you know transcribing you know you know, this line, this line, or I'd write original, all depending on what what the school right. needed for their band program. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's yeah. good for your ear. It's good for mm -hmm. the skills of, of reading music because you're doing the opposite, you know, writing down, and, and you, you start to get more of a connection with all that. And, yeah, record yourself. Yeah, Just, I mean, really, that is probably the most useful thing we have now. I think so. Yeah, record, listen, listen back. You need to transcribe yourself. Mm -hmm. Record yourself and then, and then play it back. And go, oh, well, that was cool. And then you can sit down, listen, transcribe yourself, and listen and go. Mm -hmm. And say, oh, well, I like that. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you'll surprise yourself by how much cool stuff you're playing. Yeah. You're, it's just hidden amongst the other stuff. Yeah. Which is how I feel about all my play. <laughs> There's three cool notes in a tune. The rest of it is... Bleh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing you could try, um, I got years ago, I got to study with the, the great Rick Laird mm -hmm. from Ishnu Orchestra. A really cool person. Very interesting. We just lost him this year. Mm. Um, but he had this exercise that I still do, which is take a piece of staff paper. Okay. No clef. No key signature, and just start putting dots in. Okay. Cover it. Yeah. Then start adding rhythms. Or he would say, okay, here's all the dots. Let's now call this the key of F. Mm -hmm. Play it. Yeah. Then treat everything as an eighth note. Yeah. And just read it. Nice. Um, it's That's almost great. like automatic writing. There's a Victorian term that can look it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that sort of thing where you're just spewing yeah. notes out onto a page and then play it. Yeah. You start to learn things very fast. It's amazing how fast you, you're yeah. like, oh, that was cool. That was neat. That was awful. That's cool. Yeah. You know. And I don't want to give too much away from, the, from that um, interview, but mm. along similar lines, um, John Schofield was saying, I, th I think he learned this from Steve Swallow, um, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but um, said you just put in that hard work and s something good's gonna yeah. happen. You know, you just do it. So, um, so that's pretty, pretty cool and encouraging. Yeah. So, um, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. So, Chip, I hope some of this helped. Yeah. But first, define where you're you're struggling. Right. You know, is is it is it theory? Is it mechanical? Record yourself and slow down. Slow yeah. down, yeah. Slow, yeah, slow. I think intent can really mm -hmm. works just as well in the practice, you know. Absolutely. What is your intention? What are you trying to do right now? Does it connect with your hearing? Uh, you know, try to play the note, <laughs> mirror it in your own mind, sing along, yeah. even internally or externally. Absolutely, absolutely. And do, you know, I've done things where I will spend a practice session in one key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just working through one key. Yep. It's like, all right, today's E flat day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and go through all the cool things you can do with E flat. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, let's see. I want to mention mm -hmm. um, I Can See Your House from Here as a cool yeah. album. Yeah. Um, for sure to check out. Very awesome. John Schofield and Pat Metheny. Metheny's got his uh, synth sound on some of those tunes. Yeah. Mostly, I think, during the solos. But Yeah, it's a great thing with Schofield's sound. Yeah. I like that combination. Yeah, and it's it's really kind of cool to, to hear Metheny playing that solid body. And, mm -hmm. and also just to listen back, you know, you can tell the language of one versus the other and the tone and the different oh, nuances. Yeah. And, and so it's fun to listen to a guitar album like that with two guitarists mm -hmm. and, and just kind of hear that interplay and stuff. So, yeah, check that out. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have a tune from that album coming out here as soon as I can get it together. <laughs> Both backing track wise and I'm also learning and kind of researching how to play it too. Mm -hmm. so, cool. Very cool. Thanks so much, John. Don't forget John's cables. High quality cables with all the 
Nutrick and all the it's all the good ends. All the good stuff. I, I have my favorite German manufacturer who makes the bulk cable that I buy. And nice. It's the best stuff I found for a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. I can get better, but the price becomes exponentially higher. And yeah. That doesn't help anybody. Yeah, a lot, a lot of diminishing returns too. I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean, if you've got the budget and the ears, great. Yeah. Otherwise, this is what you see in the best stu- recording studios and stuff. So. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Cool. So, uh, thanks so much for checking this out. Do yeah. like and subscribe, and we will see you all in the next see one you next time.